This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Have you ever thought about recording your own podcast? I know it took me a long time to get around to it, mostly because I was worried about the how-to, the equipment I might need, the editing that needed to be done. Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. They have all sorts of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone and computer. That great music you hear on my podcast is from Anchor. It was provided to me for free. I, I select it and add it to the podcast. I'm done. I've also been able to edit my podcast. They have easy features that make it smooth and pain-free to cut and remove certain parts of your podcast if you need to take them out or just add things. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard in places like Spotify and Apple, and you can even connect up other places like Stitcher. That's what I did. You can also make money off of your podcast. They give you a way to connect with sponsors it's really everything you need, and it's particularly great for people who are worried about the technical side of making a podcast. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Tell Me This, and I'm your host, Carrie Borkowski. On this podcast, I'd like to talk about things related to belonging, your sense of belonging, cultivating belonging for others, community, connections, and just really leaning in to listen. And through some storytelling, a little bit of research, and my own experiences teaching, and I don't know, just being human, I like to share ideas about ways um, to cultivate belonging and authentic connections with ourselves, so that self-belonging, self-perception of belonging, and others in all sorts of spaces, learning spaces. Um, it could be at a t-ball game, a lacrosse game. It could be a piano lesson, a PTO meeting. Whatever spaces you find yourself roaming in these days, it can happen there. So today's episode, well, I got to be honest with everybody. I had something totally planned. And if anybody knows me, that wouldn't be too surprising. I definitely like to plan what I'm going to say, what I'm going to present, or what I'm going to write about. And then something happened, and I didn't. It actually reminded me of a story my mom told me. Well, I think my mom told me this about my grandparents. Honestly, as I thought more about it, I wasn't exactly sure. But the story sounds like my grandparents, so I'm going to go with it. So the story is my mom and her three siblings would pile into my grandparents' big old sedan. So you got to picture this. Okay, we're talking about probably 1960s, 1950s, big old sedan, maybe some, um, I don't know, Oldsmobile, a Lincoln, a Continent, Lincoln Continental, 
No Cadillac. Too fancy for my grandfather. You could probably fit six or eight kids in the back of the sedan because remember, this was way before seatbelts. So my mom, my aunts, and uncle, the siblings, it was four of them, never knew or often didn't know where they were headed or they thought they were going to lunch when they were actually going somewhere totally different. My grandparents would take them on picnics, maybe a day at the beach, or it could have just been something as easy as getting a, an ice cream cone or um, in Maryland, snowballs are a big thing in the summer. So they could have just been running up to the, the corner to get a snowball. Wherever they were going, my parents, just, my grandparents just liked to change it up. My grandmom and pop-up just liked to keep things interesting, keep them guessing, have fun. So in the spirit of taking a road trip with my grandparents, here we go. So as I was saying, I was totally ready for today. Imagine I have an outline. It's structured the way I like it. I had a great brainstorming session with a close friend. I went back to my outline and tweaked it and added a few things. Had a few great stories I had, had thought about. I had picked out an article to connect to the stories and sort of draw some conclusions. Plus, I have to add, this is the fifth episode, and I was planning on my fifth episode to announce that I'm getting ready to launch my own website and a blog. Um, sometime soon. More to come on that later. But a funny thing happened on the way to my podcast studio today, aka my kitchen table, sometimes my stand-up desk, or honestly anywhere that I can push aside a pile of crayons, coloring books, and make room for a, a computer and a microphone. So today's episode, text to talk, or maybe not, will involve thinking about when something might work, work for you, a strategy, a way of communicating, it doesn't mean it's going to work for the other person or other people. Stay in it and try not to retreat. Brene Brown loves to talk about how even in the most uncomfortable discussions, as long as you are safe physically and mentally, um, you should try to stay in it. Don't, you know, the instant feeling is to retreat um, or to, to run away, to avoid, but really try to stay and push through that discomfort. And the last theme for today is you do not have to agree to respect or reconcile matters with another person. So in a moment, we'll take a, we'll listen to the story or I'll share the story that sort of changed the course of today's podcast. We'll talk briefly about the lessons. I'll unpack those a little bit and try to connect some of what I talked about in the story. We'll also talk a little bit about um, Mesero's Disorienting Dilemma and Transformative uh, Learning. If any of you have heard of it, you can stay tuned for that. And we'll do a quick, quick wrap, wrap up. So I'll be right back. Thanks so much for joining us on Tell Me This, Text to Talk, or Maybe Not, Episode 5. All right. Welcome back to Tell Me This, Episode 5, Text to Talk, or Maybe Not. And as I was saying, a funny thing happened on, my, on the way to record this podcast. So let me set the stage for you. Right now, I'm sitting in my daughter's room in the dark with this skinny little LED flashlight. I have it on the table, so it looks like I have a little lamp. I have the amber light of my computer with my notes, and every so often I pick up that flashlight so I can see the notes in my notebook. Well, you might be asking, why is she sitting in her daughter's room? Why is she sitting by flashlight? It's not because I'm trying to set a mood. Well, I'll tell you the story. On Saturday night, my wife Susan and I were so excited. 
we were headed to a night out, not just a night, an overnight out, and we were headed to Provincetown, Massachusetts. If you're not from around New England or you're not familiar with Massachusetts, Cape Cod, which is sort of the beaches of Massachusetts, Provincetown sits at the very tip of Cape Cod. It is beautiful, great views, great restaurants, just a great relaxing beach scene. So you might ask why we were headed to one of the best beach spots in the middle of winter. Good question. As I think I've mentioned, in the last six months, I started attending and participating in Story Slams. Super fun. If you have ever wanted to do it or even just thought about it, but you were worried, couldn't get up the nerve, trust me, just try it. You will love it. You'll probably get addicted and want to go all the time. So we found out there's a story slam in Provincetown that happens just about once a month. And so we were headed down there. So exciting. Well, to make a long story short, we got there, settled in, delicious meal right on the Cape Cod Sound, beautiful sunsets, amazing big windows so we could see everything, enjoyed an amazing night of storytelling, woke up the next morning only to find out that our power had gone out the night before. And our backup generator, which basically provides power to what we've identified as sort of the critical areas, so the refrigerator, we can get heat, we have some lights on in different rooms, that wasn't working. So why would we panic? Well, we live about a mile from the ocean, we, and on the other side of us is the marsh. And so we live in a very high water table, which basically means if you lose power and your generator dies, you probably have between three and five minutes to get the sump pump in your basement working or you'll have a pool. Well, as I said, our electric went out early the evening before when we left. So while we were enjoying ourselves at the Story Slam, our basement was turned into an indoor pool. Lots happened like our backup to the backup generator would not start. So we basically, I think it's because I'm a little a little bit of a worrier. What if the backup generator doesn't work? So we bought a, a small gas power generator that we could just put outside the window of our basement and plug in the sump. So even if we didn't have heat or lights, we knew that the basement would stay dry. Well, Susan, we got home. Susan cranked that thing up and it wouldn't crank. Are you kidding me? It wouldn't start, so we had to borrow our neighbors, and we still did not have power or internet. Thank you, Hotspot, for being able to do this podcast. So why am I telling this story? Here is where it gets interesting. When Susan and I pulled into our driveway, we had a plan. We had talked about it for the past 30 minutes in the car. All right, when we get home, Susan would run to the garage, get the backup to the backup, run it around to the corner of the house, hook it up to the sump pump, and start the process of removing the water. I would go in, say hi to the kids, make sure was o- all was okay, get a fire started so we'd at least have some heat. Well, remember the backup squared would not start? Now we were really in a panic. The longer the water sits in the basement, the worse it gets. It wasn't getting any higher because it had actually flattened out, you know, it had reached the, the water table. Well, we had a really nice neighbor behind us and to the left. We actually didn't even know we had this neighbor until winter, until all the leaves started falling off the trees. So it's not that they're super close. So they're back into the left. They're actually on the same side as our sump pump. Our first winter, we also lost power and she let us take many, many, many yards of extension cord and hook up to her outside outlet. 
I texted her to explain what had happened. I was in a panic. We were new to the area. I had never been in New England and asked if it would be okay. About 20 minutes and she had said it was fine. So that win winter, she had basically saved our basement. So when I was feeling this panic, I texted her again, I, you know, I, our neighbor and said, you know, you're not going to believe what's happening, but we've lost power. Our backup generator is not working. Can we plug in? Well, about 20 minutes went by and I didn't hear back. So Susan, Susan's running around trying to figure out what to do. She comes up to me and says, you know, call her. What should we do? And I said, well, I texted her. So, and I asked and I said, just go over and, you know, we'll talk to our neighbor later. So Susan and our oldest ran over with lots of extension cord. I went about the business of making a suitable lunch with no power, no refrigerator. Susan was taking a while to get back and I cannot hear the sump kick in. So I, w I wandered outside only to see the neighbor outside and Susan walking back with extension cords in her hands. We were not hooked up. Ugh. Susan came back and in a very upset voice explained that our neighbor was upset, was saying something about liability and why didn't we knock on her door? Susan said I must have sent the text to the wrong person and the neighbor hollered over that she had received the text but did not understand why we did not knock on the door to ask. Hmm. Here was the moment. This is what Mesereau would call a disorienting dilemma. This neighbor had been okay with us hooking up the last time and we had asked through a text. I had sent a very nice text and I really did ask nicely. I was very polite and explained the situation. I, th I thought to myself as Susan was, you know, finishing telling me what the neighbor said, I was reflecting and saying to myself, this was an emergency. I really thought she would understand. Why was she so upset? Susan then asked me to go over and talk to her because she just, you know, she felt like she had blown it, that the neighbor was upset. And I fussed at Susan and said, you know, I was getting upset myself. I just can't talk to anybody right now. Our basement was still flooded. It felt like no one was helping us and no one really understand that it was feeling like a crisis. After I had several hours um, to sit with what our neighbor had shared or at least had expressed through Susan, I sent another text. I apologized profusely and sincerely. I shared that I had heard what she said and believed she was right. We didn't handle the things well. We should have um, we shouldn't have just used the text and plugged in. <clears throat> we should have knocked on her door. I did say that I was in a static panic, but also mentioned that that was no excuse <clears throat> and that I was sorry. I also said that I appreciated her, appreciated her being honest about how this made her feel and said that it would never happen again. I didn't put this in the text, but I was thinking to myself, lesson learned. The neighbor quickly texted me back. You know, I could see those little dot, dot, dots and said that she just felt mistreated but that she would, of course, like to help. By this time, we had found the gas generator. We had found a gas generator and we're hoping to get back on track. She sent a few kind words, wished us luck, crisis and disagreement averted. So what do you think? What happened there? Tell me this. Why did the neighbor react this way? Why did I send the text in the first place? Why was it so hard for me to admit that maybe I was wrong. Well, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about those lessons I mentioned in the beginning, which are about <clears throat> what works for me or what works for you might not always work for an individual or group of people. 
We'll talk about how it's so important to stay in it, to stay in the conversation, to stay in the room, to maintain that dialogue, try not to retreat, which is usually our sort of uh, knee-jerk reaction to difficult situations, and to remember that you don't have to agree to respect or reconcile matters with another person. So when, when we come back, we'll try to unpack this story a little bit. And then we'll also talk about the podcast, the website and the podcast and blog that I'm getting ready to launch. All right. Thanks for listening. All right. So welcome back. So are you thinking what a crazy story did that really happen? I honestly, how could you make that up, right? I mean, remember, I'm sitting in my daughter's bedroom with an LED flashlight, the light of my computer sort of keeping things illuminated for me. Um, We have no heat. Our whole family is sleeping in front of the fireplace. So I didn't make it up. So the sort of pieces of this are, I sent a text making a request. I thought I was being polite This had happened a couple of years ago, and our neighbor reacted in what you'd expect, a really kind way. So I said, Susan, just go over there. We'll do it. It, We did it before. It's no problem. I'll take care of it later. And to my surprise and eventual understanding, she was upset. I'm actually grateful that she um, was willing to express that. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit at this part of the episode. But before we get back to the episode... um, I did want to, in the lessons, I did want to share, as I mentioned earlier, um, and I know at the end of the last uh, segment, I said that I was launching a podcast. I've already launched that podcast and hopefully you're listening to it. So what I meant was that I'm launching a website, um, whatsourstory.com. And on that website for now, it'll include this podcast. So you'll have a nice landing page for the podcast. But I've also started a blog and hopefully a blog post. I'll do a weekly blog post and they will drop on Thursdays. So I hope you will check them out. They are along the similar lines to the podcast, just in a smaller chunk. So if you're enjoying the podcast and are looking for, you know, something to read once you get to work or wherever you're going, not in the car, um, please check it out. So it'll be the pod, the website should be launching here in the next few days. What's our story? I'll try to tweet it out to let folks know um, when it's live and, and ready for public consumption. All right. So back to the episode. So what lessons did you hear in the story today? Um, You know, I wondered what my grandmother would say. Well, if she heard that story first, she would probably remind me that I should have never moved to Massachusetts. She'd be saying it jokingly. She missed seeing me more regularly. Um, But then she would quickly say how sorry she was and just ask how she could help. Here's my take on the story. Um, First, don't live in a high water table. Don't go out of town when your power lines are being worked on. Leave explicit instructions for the babysitter. Wait, okay, maybe those aren't the lessons we want to talk talk about on this episode. What I really want to talk about are those three lessons that I mentioned early on in the podcast. So the first one, remember, what works for you might not work for someone else. Tell me this. You know, what assumptions are you holding about someone that could be wrong? What assumptions do you make when someone walks across the room What assumptions are you carrying when students come into your classroom, um, when you meet someone new? Try to be aware and present about the assumptions you make. Look, I text all the time. 
And like most of us do, and with lots of people, different people, different circumstances, different times of day, this does not mean, however, that what works for me will work for someone else. This is such a great example of why something we talked about in a previous podcast, group guidelines and norms are so important. If you need to communicate with someone, if it's in a group project, if you're on a team, um, if it's just, I don't know, communicating with a spouse or a friend, always take the time to check in, figure out how to communicate, or at least figure out what your communication style is. You know, do you like the phone call? Do you, do you mind if I text you? Do you prefer email? Do you want to get together? People have different preferences and people have different preferences for different modalities, different ways of communicating for different things. Um, and I know it's not always ideal if, you know, you're meeting someone new or if you're in an emergency situation. So I know it's not a perfect world, but when we can, we really should check in. And it applies to our students, our kids, our neighbor's kids, our spouses, our coworkers, um, you know, anybody that you may be communicating with, when you can, try to understand what their preferences are. What what are they assuming, you know, about a particular way that someone might communicate? Because different people have views about, you know, what it means to get a text message versus a phone call. It might not mean anything or make a difference to you or to me. But for some, it might. The second lesson, stay in it. Try not to retreat. And as I said, Brene Brown talks about this in several of her books, this idea of when you get in a difficult situation or a tough conversation, work at work or with a family, you know, as long as you are physically and mentally safe um, and you feel safe, try to stay in that discomfort and, and move through it. Don't avoid it. Try to process it and move through it. This is where something like tell me this could come in really handy. So if you're feeling the stress of that situation, that frustration when you look at the people or the person with whom you're having a disagreement or that discomfort, if you started with something like tell me this, maybe it would diffuse the situation. It would disarm those feelings that people are having that are creating that discomfort. So stay in it. So think about that story that I shared. Every fiber of my being wanted to say how awful this neighbor had acted. How could she say this given my circumstances right now? How, how dare she say that to Susan? I sent her this nice, polite text, blah, 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 blah. And the other thing I was thinking, just blow it off. It'll blow over. Don't say anything. Let her cool down. Just let it be, right? Ignore it and it'll go away. But then a few hours passed. And I started to think about my own research, this podcast, my sort of, um, you know, falling down and getting back up and learning a lesson, making a mistake and, and, and figuring out sort of a way to be. And I realized that I did need to take the time to communicate. And I had to admit, I, I, I did send a text, but this time I suggested that I heard what she was saying and I very much appreciated her honesty. And I really did. I was, I'll admit, I was still feeling a little little cowardly. And I was actually kind of embarrassed um, that I had made this mistake or this miscalculation. I explained to her again in the text that it was an emergency, but that she was right. I owed her more and I would do so in the future. 
I think that's what made the difference. She, like all of us, needed to be seen and heard. I, you ca- I can't even tell you how much it took for me to stay in it, to swallow my pride. And honestly, as I said, my embarrassment at this mistake. But in the end, it worked out. The last lesson for today, you do not have to agree to respect or reconcile matters with another person. Look, I still don't agree with what went down. If the ta- I kept telling myself, and I still keep saying, if the tables had been turned, I think I would have reacted totally different. That is not, however, the point. My neighbor's feelings and needs matter as much as mine, so I need to respect and honor those. We do not have to agree on how this communication could or should have gone down and how we should have felt afterward, but we do have to decide that having a neighborly relationship, being kind to each other, being able to support each other and enjoy each other does matter. And so we reconciled. We both cared enough about maintaining a friendly and supportive relationship. We're not really friends, um, but there's something about having good neighbors who sort of, you know, feel like, I don't know, they've got your back or something. But she, but I can tell you that if she came over and asked for something, I would deliver if I could or I'd help her figure it out. So these lessons of making assumptions can make problems staying in the dialogue, no matter how tough, and finding reconciliation and respect, even when you do not agree, are all so important when walking through our lives, our work, our personal our personal issues, our personal relationships, uh, disagreements you have with family, and any others, you know, that you could possibly think of. So, you know, as you think about your meetings, um, your communications with your teammates or your coworkers, just really think about these three lessons. And I think again, if we're if we're being authentic and trying to, you know, sort of enact some of the things we've talked about in this podcast, um, you know, these are three things that you could turn into, you know, part of your training regimen, right? So. This idea of what works for for you might not work for me. Well, that's all about assumptions, right? Don't make assumptions about people. Find out what the right assumptions are and figure out why you made that assumption and how you can get better at making those assumptions. Staying in it, working through something instead of avoiding it, so hard. I know it's so easier said than done. But again, so important. And the last one You do not have to agree to respect or reconcile. So often we think about agreement being you become friends or your best friends or it's friendly. It's really not about being friendly. It's more about being respectful and hearing and seeing the other individuals in this dialogue and disagreement. So those are the lessons for today. Um, just to give you an update on that story, sort of an epilogue, if you will. As I said, we still don't have power. The good news is the electric is ready. We're just waiting for sort of the, the thumbs up from the inspector or the um, for the inspection t- tomorrow. And hopefully we will get power and heat back. And who knows what's going to happen with the generator. But I'm just hoping for a little, little electricity tomorrow. So when we come back, Um, We'll talk a little bit about some research. I mentioned Mesro and disorienting dilemmas. And then we will wrap up with some concluding thoughts. All right. Thanks for sticking around. This is Tell Me This.
All right. Welcome back to episode five of Tell Me This, text to talk, or maybe not. We've been talking about a story, a crazy story of me losing power, my family losing power for a couple of days, and we tried to plug into a neighbor's just to get our sump up going, and just the crazy things that happened when I made incorrect assumptions about someone and made her upset, but in the end, I was willing to stay in it. And we figured out a way to be respectful of each other, to hear each other, and we're able to reconcile and, and continue to have, um, you know, a cordial relationship. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, I don't, I don't have an article like I have in previous episodes, but I want to talk a little bit about um, Jack Mesereau's work on disorienting dilemmas and transformational learning. Um, he refers to this idea that he t- he was talking about adult learners, but I would argue that this is all learners. Um, disorienting dilemmas, so this sort of, um, I don't know if it's an aha moment, but it's this, it could be an aha moment, but often it's this this moment of dissonance or a misalignment of, of your what you think is going to happen or what you think you know and what actually happens. And so it creates this moment where you're like, hmm, you know, what what's going on here? And these disorienting dilemmas may lead to critical reflection. We question our own ideas and assumptions. Um, and according to Mesereau, this is where we have an opportunity to create new meaning from that experience. And so he suggests that, you know, critical reflection is essential to this idea of transformational learning. So arguably, you could have this disorienting dilemma. And for me, um, well, you tell me this. What was the disorienting dilemma? For me, I think when I reflected on it, I think the part that sort of was the head scratcher, so the disorienting dilemma, was realizing that the text that I had sent and had sent so just, I won't say matter-of-factly, because I definitely thought it out and wanted to be kind and, and ask politely, but I never gave it a second thought that she would have the reaction that they had. So that was where that was that misalignment um, of what I thought, you know, how I thought it would be received or how I was sending it and how it actually was received. And that's where those making assumptions um, comes in. So this idea of so you can have this disorienting dilemma and Mesereau suggests that this is the moment that's so important because if you just sort of wipe it aside, right? So as Brene Brown shares with us, if you don't stay in it, if you do what we what we want to do, which is run away or avoid it, you miss a learning opportunity. So think about that. So you sort of have this, whether it's physiological or neurological, you have this moment where you're like, something's off. What did what just happened? And if you just let it blow by, whether you're, you're the person feeling it and thinking it or you're the person observing a student or a friend or a neighbor have that moment and you just ignore it. You've just missed this huge opportunity for learning. Critical reflection is something that we you can intentionally or if, you, if it's just something that you do, you may just automatically start to think about what just happened. So you start to assess your own um, like your orientation. So like, how are you situated in this moment? Um, you know, and, and you start thinking about what do I believe? What did I see? What do I know? Right? So this is Mesereau's work. The discourse piece is also essential. 
So critical reflection and discourse, because the discourse piece offers the opportunities for individuals and groups to share their experiences and to recognize that others might feel similarly. And of course, when we know that somebody else is feeling that way, we're able to face it. Maybe it reduces the anxiety we're feeling. So I really think that for me, um, I had a transformative learning moment um, in the middle of this crazy windstorm, loss of power, pool in the basement. Mesera was right. If you attend to that disorienting dilemma, um, you can act on that new insight. You can critically reflect. And even though I was texting and I know I, sh- I, I should have really walked over and saw her, but I was embarrassed. But I did reach out. So we had sort of a digital discourse, if you will. And I was able to reflect on my assumptions. I was able to express my apologies, to empathize and share that I heard what she was saying. And I realized, right, that's the transformative learning part. I realized I had made a mistake. And even though I was like super embarrassed and super worried about admitting that, in the end, it was it was the best thing to do. And I have to tell you, like, I think my shoulders, even though I was still stressed about the power thing, my shoulders like must have dropped a few inches because it was bothering me that she was bothered. It was bothering me that I had just really miscalculated that situation uh, because that wasn't my intention. And so, so when you have that moment, whether it's in your gut, in your head, in your bones, you might be having a disorienting dilemma. Make sure you attend to it. Take a moment and critically reflect. Think about how you're feeling, what you're thinking, what's that misalignment that's maybe contributing to that disorientation, and then find somebody to talk about it with, preferably the person with whom the dilemma occurred. But if you can't get to that person or you're worried about getting to that person, talk to somebody else. Because if you don't, you're missing a huge opportunity to learn something new. And who doesn't want to learn something? All right. So when we come back, we will do a quick wrap up. And um, thank you so much for listening. I'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to episode five text to talk or maybe not. Um, This is the podcast. Tell me this. I am your host, Carrie Burkowski. Thank you so much for sticking around for not being a planned podcast. That one was kind of fun. Um, I did take some notes. I did do a little planning, but it wasn't what I intended to talk about this week. So we had temporary indoor swimming pools. We had generator upon generator that just wouldn't work. We had really cool fires to keep us warm. We had disorienting dilemmas with the neighbor, some critical reflection, lots of learning, and we still don't have power, but hopefully that'll change tomorrow. So just remember, try to avoid assumptions. Think about what you're assuming or the stories you're making up about other people. Check in with those and see how off the mark you are. Please stay seated at that table when those disorienting dilemmas occur or wherever you are, whether you're standing in a line at a, at a, I don't know why I keep saying t-ball game, but at a game, at a lacrosse game, at a, a choir practice, stay in it even when you're feeling uncomfortable. And 
Agree that agreement is not the goal here, that you need to respect each other, you need to see and hear, have empathy, um, and that's the way you reconcile. It's not always about agreement. So this week, try to lean in and listen and learn something new about someone else. As I said, tell me this. What assumptions have you been making? What stories have you been telling yourself or even your friends about another person that are totally off the mark? How might recognizing those misalignments shift your mindset? And how might that shift improve the way in which you engage and communicate? I'll bet you that just that little shift will lead to more authentic connections. It'll give you a feeling of self-belonging and it'll help you cultivate belonging for others. So as you move through the week or through your, um, you know, your life with your friends, your family, your coworkers, your students, whomever, think about those disorienting dilemmas, catch yourself in one and pay attention. Talk about it. I bet you'll learn something. All right. Thanks so much for listening. This is Tell Me This, episode five. Um, don't forget, I will be launching my podcast, my, oh, I said it again, my website <laughs> really soon. It's whatsourstory.com. And on that website, you will find um, th- these podcast episodes along with a brand new weekly blog that is modeled after the podcast, just in a shorter written version. And I'm hoping to drop a, a post um, every Thursday. So be on the lookout for that. If you have questions or ideas for show topics, please send me an email at C-A-R-E-Y-B-O-R-K-O-S-K-I at gmail.com. That's Borkoski at gmail.com. You can also tweet me at tell me this pod. Um, yeah, and I'd just love to hear from you. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Take care. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.